This episode of the Weekly Standard Podcast is sponsored by The Great Courses. The Great Courses brings engaging video and audio lectures presented by top professors and professionals on a wide variety of subjects to your fingertips. The Great Courses has a collection of lecture series geared towards professionals, including Scientific Secrets for a Powerful Memory, How a Conversation Works, Art of Public Speaking, and Influence, Mastering Life's Most Powerful Skill. These series offer great tools and insights for anyone looking to improve their recall at work, hone their presentation skills, or become a better negotiator. And now, for a limited time, The Great Courses has a special offer for Weekly Standard listeners. Order any of these four business and presentation courses for just $9.95. This special price of $9.95 is only available for a limited time. Order today. Go to thegreatcourses.com WS to find out more. That's thegreatcourses.com slash WS. Welcome to the Weekly Standard Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Graham. With us from New Hampshire is Michael Warren, live on the scene where they had a cattle call event last night. And Michael, of course, all the focus right now is on the upcoming debate Thursday night. What should we be prepared to be surprised by based on what you saw last night? Well, if uh, last night's cattle call, if, don't call it a debate, it was a forum, you know, none of the candidates were on the stage at the same time, uh, except for a very short uh, photo op at the beginning and uh, at the end. Uh, if it's going to be like that on Thursday night, uh, kind of expect to maybe even fall asleep. Uh, it, it's going to be a little boring. The candidates will uh, would, would be sticking to their talking points mostly, and that's what we saw last night. Um, I think the, the missing factor here, the thing that's going to be uh, interesting, of course, is going to be Donald Trump. Uh, Thursday night at that debate. He was not here last night in New Hampshire. Uh, and, and of course, not having the candidates sort of interact with each other meant that uh, meant that it was a sort of a very staid, very uh, pretty strict to the talking points. Only a few candidates really veered off uh, from what they normally say on, on the issues and in their stump speeches. So uh, I actually am sort of thinking that Thursday's debate is going to be a little more of a of a snoozer than I think everybody predicts. But how can it be a snoozer when you have the most glamorous, most exciting, most terrific Donald Trump there? I know. I mean, it's it, it, it's counterintuitive, but uh, you already have seen this where Donald Trump is kind of lowering expectations. He's saying, you know, I'm not that big of a debater, and uh, you know, I, I don't expect to be uh, uh, that dynamic out there. So I think that indicates that maybe he's getting a little nervous uh, here. But you know. I just feel like it's been built up so much. We've been uh, hearing about uh, just just about uh, how insane the whole debate process is. How are people going to respond to Donald Trump? You know, what what kind of fights will the candidates be getting into? You know, you've built up the heights hype so much for this first debate. Uh, you're really sort of uh, setting yourself up for being let down. I think uh, we're, we're going to see. Uh, and not that I, I don't want people tuning in. It's a very it'd be very exciting, very important. Uh, start of this process, but uh, don't be surprised if if we're a little uh, disappointed by what we end up seeing. So let's go back then to the forum that you saw for tips on the level of, of disappointment we should anticipate. Who did you think seemed to kind of catch the moment for the GOP in their, as you said, kind of prepared statements, their core message last night? And who did you think, you know, that might have been a great message in whatever, you know, 2008, 1996, not sure it's the message for today. Well, you know, something I was struck, Michael, by is is this 
this large field, there were 14 people there last night. It's, it's 17 in total. Um, it, it's actually some, so, so much more of a higher quality field than, than in 2012. Um, the, the backbenchers, the second and third tier candidates are better than they were, than the top tier candidates were in 2012. Um, and I think with this sort of very diverse field, what you what I actually heard was sort of a mixture of good stuff from from nearly every single candidate. Um, but what I was also struck by is that there wasn't one candidate who was sort of able to capture uh, the essence of of this moment in 2015 and 2016 and sort of uh, put together put forth a a vision. Um, I heard a little bit of that from, uh, for instance, Rick Santorum on issues like uh, uh, like sort of concern about wage deflation for workers, uh, immigration issues. He came out actually with a very specific proposal for reducing legal immigration uh, to 25 uh, by 25%. Um, heard a lot of that from, uh, from Carly Fiorina as well. Just uh, interesting ideas put forth uh, from her. Um, I will say that the top tier candidates, the ones that are sort of at the top of the polls, Jeb Bush, Scott Walker, Marco Rubio, uh, all of them except for maybe Ted Cruz, I really didn't put forth, I think, their best foot. Maybe they're all getting prepared for the, the real debate on Thursday. But uh, I was struck by uh, a sort of a weak performances from the top of the field and much stronger performances from say, the bottom uh, uh, third or, or half of the field. So then, based on what you saw last night, if I were going to maybe lean in a little more on my TV when I'm watching Thursday night's debate... Who are the couple of candidates that you go, they should be there? And also, you know, we're not even sure, as you and I speak, who exactly is going to be there because they're working out that tent spot on the polling today. Uh, so uh, is there someone that you will f sorely miss if they don't make the cut? Uh, that's right. And in fact, Fox is being a little opaque uh, about uh, how exactly they're going to determine this. And I, I wouldn't be surprised if they ended up letting an 11th person in, and that 11th person would be Rick Perry, uh, judging by the polls, uh, I would be a little disappointed to see uh, Rick Perry uh, not uh, able to go into this uh, this first debate here. He was uh, so much better last night here in New Hampshire than uh, than he ever was in the 2012 debate. He really sort of, uh, uh, I think, was was humbled by that 2012 experience and said, uh, "If I'm going to do this again, I'm going to be the most prepared I could possibly be." And I think that that showed. The problem is, is he's lowered expectations so much from that oops moment, from that sort of falling flat on his face in, in 2012, uh, that even a fantastic performance from Rick Perry uh, still sort of gets him up to base level. Um, if he's going to miss out on this, he's been taking on Donald Trump in a lot of ways. Uh, I think that would be a real shame. But the other person I would I would watch uh, is, is John Kasich. You know, he's sort of come out of nowhere here, just started, uh, uh, you know, running for president in the last two weeks. And he's already uh, in this new debate. People thought he wouldn't even make it. Now he's polling a little higher, and uh, and I think he's got some interesting things uh, to say. And uh, and he'll he'll sort of uh, get into it with these other candidates. He's, he 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 kind of likes to uh, stir things up. So it'll be interesting to watch. Does he stir things up because he does have this more uh, activist government approach uh, to governing, or does he mix it up because of his uh, reputation. I don't know if it's well deserved. I've never met him. Of being kind of a, I'm trying to think of a polite word for jerk. Can you help me with this, possibly? <laughs> well, I think it is it is totally personality based. I, I really don't think it has much to do with uh, his positions on the issues. 
you know, I was actually just, just a couple hours ago, I was touring a, a place here in Manchester, a, a business with him. And, uh, and I, I got to see, uh, sort of the way he interacts with people. He's, he's very much sort of the kind of frat guy insult type of, of candidate. You know, he's mixing it up with, uh, all these Boston Red Sox, uh, fans up here in, in New Hampshire saying, Hey, when are the Red Sox going to decide to play uh, baseball again? Um, he's that kind of guy who kind of, he likes to mix it up and, 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 and sort of, uh, uh, get people's goat. And, and I think that maybe serves him well on the, on the campaign trail. You know, it makes people feel at ease. Oh, this guy's, you know, making fun of me, but it's really, you know, he's not making fun of me personally. He's sort of, uh, showing me that right. he's a, he's a likable regular guy. Uh, I don't know how that will translate against candidates on the stage when you're talking about important issues. Uh, he could end up, as you say, coming across as a jerk. If you had to bet on one uh, person to kind of not meet expectations, setting aside Donald Trump, who, let's face it, is his own thing. I mean, basically, he's he's the other TV that you have on on the side. You know, that's, <laughs> that's got another picture, show. Right? You got the news on the flat panel, but you got you know a, key, a peel and key on the other you know side TV. What, what, of the rest of the candidates, who would you say? You know, I would not be surprised if people come away from this going, "Wow, that's that's all there is." Uh, I think, and this is based on what I saw last night here in, in New Hampshire. I think both Jeb Bush and Marco Rubio uh, have a lot uh, of proving to do in this first debate. Uh, Rubio, like Ted Cruz and Rand Paul, was uh, was doing the this forum remotely from Washington. He had to stay for a vote. The three of them did, uh, and so that caused some problems, but. I also sort of noticed that Rubio has sort of, you know, his aspirational uh, uh, speech, is some speech is very, very good. I'm not sure how it's translating into sort of that debate short answer format. I think right. uh, he's got a lot of proving to do. Jeb as well, I think he's, he's, he's got some uh, rough edges on the campaigning side and the debating side. I think you've got to watch him and, and wonder, is he going to be able to pull this off? Uh, and, and, and could somebody like John Kasich or Chris Christie rise to the occasion and fill that slot? that Jeff has been filling so far. Uh, it's time to wrap up with our final uh, uh, lightning round, Michael Warren, debate style. These following words, will we hear them in the debate from the candidates voluntarily? Immigration. Yes. Iran. Yes. Planned Parenthood. Oh, absolutely, yes. Donald Trump's hair. <laughs> Uh, if if that happens, uh, I will. Uh, uh, this is, it will be the greatest campaign uh, event that I've ever covered. Uh, I, I would love to see somebody go after uh, the Donald's hair. Well, he why would you? He's got the most amazing, luxurious, talented, fantastic hair ever. Michael Warren, uh, your your performance today belongs with its own showcase in an Atlantic City uh, uh, nightclub. So I'm going to work on that with the Donald for you. Thanks. A very classy, classy, a classy nightclub for Michael Warren. You've been listening to the Weekly Standard podcast. Please be sure to check weeklystandard.com regularly for podcast updates. I'm your host, Michael Graham.